1: is Sterling Wyatt. Thanks for being on the show, Sterling. No, thanks for the opportunity.
0: Everyone, get your notepad ready, your popcorn ready. Absolute golden nuggets and bombs are going to be dropped and fired.
1: Love it. Love it. I'm looking forward to this, Sterling. Always a pleasure. Enjoy our conversations. He always gives me a hard time about him not doing enough shows, says I should do two every day. I haven't begun to even think about that yet, but... <laughs>
0: Probably for that split second, I was like, nah, it doesn't even.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But Sterling currently manages over $10 million in capital, which is deployed across $26 million real estate portfolio made up of multifamily apartments and single-family homes. Through the company he co-founded, Hold folio. He owns just under 500 units. He also has an amazing brand. And we're going to talk about that today and just how he has been successful and really lit the fire under that over the last what year or so, Sterling. And and I just love to dive into that and us pick that apart a little bit. Because I know people at home right now are thinking about their brand, right? Like what should I even be doing? I don't know how to get started, or don't know how to light the fuel maybe to what they've already begun. But Sterling, why don't you give us just a quick update about what's happened with Holdfolio over the last year? Potentially, and let's dive into your personal brand and how you've put the fire to it.
0: Yeah, so one thing out of the partnership hold foil, so I have signed their investment group now in which no longer own the single families and solely on the multifamily. So that would be one of the, I would say biggest shifts thus far, no longer in the single family space, solely on the multifamily. And those of you who are just now coming across me, wondering who is this ball guy in front of me, Just a tad bit of background, little cliff note version is born and raised in Indianapolis, not so good parts of the city where you wouldn't want to walk your dog at night or even during the day, fraternal twin brother, single mother. And just one story for you all in terms of the environment that I grew up in. I remember one time, both my brother and I were about five or six years old. This was dinner time. we were eating Roman noodles and some cut up hot dogs somewhere along those lines. As soon as we go upstairs and get done eating a bullet comes right through the back patio where we were sitting. And I may not be here, he may not be here, but at the end of the day, decided to use that as fuel versus a crutch to get me to where I am now. So started in real estate 2009, where things were not going so well in the industry. I was a laborer on the construction side, mixing up the mortar, providing it to the brick layers. And that's why I fell in love with real estate, not so much the construction. Found a mentor shortly after that, cause I wanted to get more into the investing. 23 years old, bought my first property, no money out of pocket. I actually had negative funds in my bank account because I over withdrew it, scaled up to 150 single families. And then in 2017, uh, bought first deal and that was 46 units. And then have since scaled the multifamily exit out all the single families now.
1: Wow. What a story. I love hearing stories like that. And just congratulations to you. I just love stories like that. Like, you didn't just sit back and say, poor me. Nobody wants to help me and whatever. That fueled your fire, like you said. And even the hard labor, you know, is of mixing concrete. That's not easy. Oh my (laughs)
0: gosh. That was a huge grind for
1: sure. (laughs) Yeah. You jumped in there though. And then though you found a mentor. Tell me a little about maybe a couple characteristics of that mentor and how that helped you quickly.
0: Gosh, so the thing is I started working with, or you could even say for this individual for completely free. Yes, that is free. I was actually living in a friend of mine's den. So that was a way I had very low overhead. And through that experience, I saw all the ins and outs of the various roles within a property management company. This is one thing I also wanna mention in that time, I didn't have the cash to be able to pay for his services in the mentorship, but I did have the time, which I believe time is even more of a currency than actual cash itself. The value I contributed to that relationship was more of a digital presence to his rentals that he had, his multifamily units, because he was more of an old school operator. And then also he was looking to diversify from multifamily interesting to single family which most people actually go the other way. And that was value that I brought to the table as well.
1: Love that. Man, that's awesome right there. Be willing to work for free. People think they're like owed so much from the beginning or that they're so valuable, their time so valuable to somebody else. But ultimately, look at where you're at now, Sterling. If you hadn't have been willing to give up that time, look at the education that you gained and just the friendship, probably, and guidance. Incredible. You used a skill that you had right? And I tell people all the time, they call and say, well, how do you get started? And how do you find a mentor? I can't afford to pay this much. I'm like, you have a skill, I'm sure that you could offer to somebody, you know, and I say social media stuff a lot, because people that are in their early 20s, I'll say, or high teens that are looking to get into this business, you're so much more efficient on social media than most operators ever thought about being that are actually in the syndication game, you know, and that's a big skill. I know I could use some help, so offer that ability in that time. Even if you don't know about anything in real estate, you have a skill there. So love that. And I appreciate you bringing that out. So I'd love to get into the, your personal brand and your fire is lit. You grow your real estate business. And maybe we touch on a little bit of the branding piece that helped you to grow to where you're at now. Your relationship with Bigger Pockets and a few other things that have helped fuel this. So let's get into that. Get us started to go back a little bit. What was the first thing you did to brand yourself and to really start growing that? Yeah, so I knew
0: there was a two-pronged approach, and I was seeing more of the personal branding was actually working. I feel that things have evolved, and not many companies, I mean, you have the larger companies that do the branding through the company itself, but that's even more difficult, and I took the route of, why don't I just personal brand myself? And so the route I took all started with one book by Gary Vaynerchuk, Jab, Jab, Right Hook absolute game changer the premise of that book is value 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 uh, is the jabs and then the right hook is invest with me or purchase my services whether that's coaching and resources that's the right hook in essence what i've gotten from that is keep doing as much value as you can and people will automatically decide whether or not to invest with you because you've given them so much value so that is the premise of how I was able to build my personal brand. And then I use various channels. I have my own podcast, The Real Estate Experience, but at that time I didn't. So I was going on other podcasts and being of value. And then I would leverage biggerpockets.com, go on the forums, and then be of assistance to people. And then I was on the member blog, and then I was able to transition to the main blog. And then the rest just really scaled out from there.
1: Okay. Yeah. So you started increasing your platforms. Sounds like, I love it. You mentioned that book too. I haven't read that one, but I need to for sure. He's an amazing guy to follow if you're looking for branding tips. Let's talk about the bigger pockets relationship a little bit. How did you get so involved there? I know a lot of people have tried to do that. I've really lacked being active on there personally, like I need to be, but I'd love to know how you've used that. Yeah.
0: So from a tactical standpoint, I started in the forums, being of value. And the thing is, most people, they have the limiting belief that how can I bring value to others when I'm just getting started? So if someone is looking to get in your market, Indianapolis, Indiana, that's one way, oh, I'm here in Indianapolis and they want insights on the neighborhoods. So that's one route you can be of assistance. Or they say, okay, how did you go about finding your first deal? And maybe you just found your first deal or you didn't. You can share your story and lessons on that versus saying you should do this, you should do that. So that's the path that I took was so much value through the forums on a daily basis.
1: When you say forums, and just to clarify for people that may not be as familiar with the Bigger Pockets website, are you just making comments or are you actually creating your own like blog posts?
0: So these are comments. Someone has a general question of how is Christian Park as far as investing, what do you guys think of that neighborhood? So that's where I would jump into that actual post itself and then comment just with my personal experience there. And then sometimes I would create my own post to start a forum discussion dialogue. So I had that. Then I started the member blog, which doesn't get as much exposure as the main blog. So I started doing that. And then I reached out to the editor at Bigger Pockets and say, hey, I would love to contribute on the main blog. She said, okay, well, go ahead and submit an article. I submitted the first one. They turned it down. They said it was too self-promotion. So from that, I tweaked. And I believe the next article I had was the disaster I made on. It was either my first wholesale deal or the resident, the prospective tenant that lied and had me call their relative. That was the landlord. So I did that story. And then I scaled in the, I would say in a three and a half year period, over 200 articles. So that's what I'm saying, how it built the journey of that. And then I knew how much beneficial that platform in itself was. So I devoted quite a bit of resources to it.
1: Wow. So you started a member blog though. Explain that a little bit. You just started commenting on the member blog.
0: So they have the forums and then they have a member blog, which is a blog, but a member blog is like a subset of the main blog, but it doesn't get as much traction. So you actually can do like a regular blog, but it's just called a member blog is what they call it. But okay. it's an actual five tips to acquiring a multifamily deal. So it's a blog, but it's just the member blog.
1: So what's been the most useful thing you've done on Bigger Pockets to grow your brand?
0: So I would say contributing on the main blog. And this goes back to the principle of the 10X rule. I just maximize my output in terms of content. Because the thing is, and I know people will have limiting beliefs that, well, I don't want to push out a lot of quantity because I'm more of a quality person. That quality one is subjective. I pushed out pieces of content, and this is on the video and written blog side, that I was like, oh, the lighting's not that good or. I misspelled words, but that's done a lot more better oftentimes than the content where I put a lot more work into. And the thing is it's noisy out there. So you have to push out a lot of content and be consistent with it. Very similar to what you do with this daily podcast, Whitney, same thing.
1: Okay. So I know we talked a little bit about the location or something you do know about. what I like too, that you hit on there is like, Anybody can make a comment, even with a free account. So get on there and be active. But how are you coming up with content to post on there?
0: Yeah, so myself, I tell my story. That's the main thing. Everyone has a story. And let's say that first 46-unit deal that I acquired, I can break three to four pieces of content out of that alone, meaning I can do, okay, this is what happened pre-acquisition. Okay, this is what happened during the stages, lessons I've learned. Okay, this is what happened when I actually sold it. So I can take a piece of content and get three to four pieces out of it just from the written format. And then I can take those pieces of content and then put a video from it. Because the thing is, what people say is, well, I've already talked about that. Yes, but most of the time when people read your content, let's say it's on Facebook, for instance, and they're scrolling, did they really read it? So those are the types of things, just being able to extract as much out of a piece of content, and that allows you to scale that much faster. But a team has to be involved, of course.
1: Love that. You said a team has to be involved. You mean just for posting something like that?
0: or? Yeah, I would say it helps to have a team. So myself, I had a editor that helped. So I would write the blog, but I'm not good in terms of writing as a skill set. So I would have an editor go up there and what you could say fancy it up even more. So the grammar is a lot better. So those are things that really help for me as a team. And then now in terms of pushing out even more content, which is three to four pieces a day, I have virtual assistants that help with that. So I shoot the content on the high level and they figure out how to get the most out of it, extracting little micro pieces of content.
1: Where do you find your virtual assistants?
0: so one go-to is onlinejobs.ph so going direct to the philippines is one route that's been an absolute game changer for me another one is what most people are aware of is fiverr.com f-i-v-e-r-r.com i I use them for more of like one-off type projects and then there's also upwork i use that for more long-term but I've had much more success now with just going direct to the Philippines. You get great talent at very affordable
1: rate. Yes, I agree. I, I've never used that. You say onlinejobs.ph? Yes, instead of .com.ph. Awesome. So tell me the social media channels that you focus on right now to grow your brand. So right now, today, it's LinkedIn.
0: The algorithm on LinkedIn, the organic reach. When you post a piece of content, let's say video. Video is really good right now. Well, I would even say that's where things are really shifting more towards. So you post a piece of content, the organic reach, what I mean is more people being able to see it. So let's say you have 6,000 people that follow you. You can get close to your 6,000 followers and if it's a really good piece of content and then more. Versus on Facebook, Instagram, other platforms, it's more of a pay to play. So if you have 6,000 followers, it may only reach 200 to 300 and you have to pay for it to see the remaining of your followers.
1: Okay, how about growing your podcast? What have you done to grow that listenership? So
0: the main thing was, I would say going back to the launch and this is building a brand and the content creation. So one thing, going back to bigger Pockets, all the people that reached out to me and said, Hey, Sterling, just want to pick your brain is no value creation from there. That's a whole nother discussion. So I would have whatever questions you have want to be of assistance. So they would ask questions and then other people would say, just thanks so much for the inspiration. So when I launched that podcast, I went one to one on all those people within that. So that was one way I was able to help grow my viewership was the people that I've already brought value to. And that also allowed my podcast to hit one in the first week under business and real estate, if real estate's actually a sector. But that's what I mean. And this goes back to the value creation, being as much assistance and serve people as you can.
1: And you say one-to-one, what does that mean?
0: So instead of doing like, let's say a email campaign, out to 500 people who you've already had conversations with, let's say on bigger pockets. It's actually going to that person, emailing them one-to-one. Hey, John, I know you're looking at that triplex. I hope all is well since we last previously talked. One thing I wanted to ask, it would mean the world to me if you left. So very similar to that, where it's very personalized to that person because they'll be willing to go the extra mile versus seeing that it's a blanket response, email out.
1: Love that. So tell me about the time commitment that you're investing here. You know, and I'd love to get into, you know, are you time blocking? Are you scheduling time for this and how much time we're committing to this? Yeah,
0: I would say on a daily basis, I'm shooting content as far as time blocking. That's one thing that I know I need to do because myself, I'm not perfect by any means. And I'm still looking for ways to further optimize my current schedule and the way I do things. But just every day. I figure out some way to post a piece of content and just to be consistent with it because I just want to become omnipresent. And one thing that Whitney is great at is, and I've experienced this too, is when you go to an event, Hey Sterling. Oh, Hey there, Whitney. That comes from just consistently putting yourself out there. Of course, you'll get some trolls and what they call the haters because at the end of the day, people do business with who they know.
1: Yes so how much time every day are you spending say on social media on all platforms together i would say
0: two to two and a half hours
1: any one platform you lean more on
0: right now instagram with leveraging the stories and then also linkedin and most of the content that i do post goes among all the platforms and sometimes we'll tweak some messaging like the caption just based upon the audience. And sometimes I'll post one piece of content on one platform because I know it won't be the same messaging as the others. And at one point I was posting content on TikTok, but it's just an animal in itself. That's a whole nother emerging platform, but I do need to get on that, but it's just lots.
1: <laughs> yeah. So tell me about your social media team. Is it just you? Is it just you and this person that reads your blogs or you know helps you with writing? What does that look like?
0: I would say... It's a three-person team. Well, even more because there's outsourcing to right. Fiverr.com, for instance. So I would say there's more on that. But in terms of on my team, there's two people that handles it. And then they delegate, let's say, the video editing. or So they're the ones that say, okay, well, video editor, I want you to extract this clip. I want you to extract this clip. I want you to extract this. And then they do the outsourcing. I want you to do this for the audio. So they do all of that. They outsource it and then it comes back to them and then they post them on the various platforms. So this comes to scaling at first, someone you may have to do it yourself, but as you wanna scale and focus on the higher value activities, then you start to put the people in place. So myself now is I just stick to shooting the podcast as much high level as possible and not to get into the trenches, meaning, okay, I've got to use this platform to post it on. I'm out of that more high level as much as possible.
1: All right. Well, just a few final questions before we run out of time, Sterling. And we like to ask our guests some of the same questions, especially if you're an operator like yourself. I usually ask guests, like, how are you prepared for the potential downturn that everybody's talking about, right? But we're kind of in the middle of that now or going into it. I'd like to ask though now, how were you prepared, you know, say two months ago, for what's happening right now?
0: So I would say this is on the front end of the holdings that I have. The apartments is one, buying in great locations, not over leveraging. So financing right. And what I mean by over leveraging, the highest I will go is 75% won't go above that, even preferably with one to be lower than that. And then also buying right. So buying at a great price point. And in terms of being ahead of the curve, that filters down to the team. So there is a CEO amongst the communities that I have that really got ahead of the ball in terms of once in my specific city, the lockdowns and all that. And then people were losing jobs that, hey, over communicating to the residents and then understanding their situation and then saying these are things that we offer. And then in those cases, then as an operator, having those open communications with the lender, if this happens, if that, but on the front end goes back to that is on the underwriting, what does it look like for us to break even, which we would need to be at 75% occupancy. So if we're at that, then there's a whole lot of other things that are hitting the fan.
1: I wanted to back up a little bit. I forgot a question I wanted to ask you. Maybe you could help the listeners with as far as a budget they should expect for the social media, like just getting started, what kind of budget should they expect to be spending to say, do it well? I mean, it doesn't have to be like Grant Cardone, but we don't have hundreds of thousands to spend on a monthly basis probably, but what's going to help us to get it there? Or does it take much budget? Yeah, I would say you
0: can get a good amount done anywhere between $300 to $600 very, very affordable. And of course, that's subjective in terms of affordability to someone. But I would say to push your content out there and be able to get the most out of it. So do one podcast and get four to five various repurposing of that content, $300 to $600. And that'll be good in terms of what I would like to say, omnipresence. But of course, the more capital you put into it and more energy, the more you're able to push
1: out to the marketplace. Is that a month? Correct. Okay. All right. So what's a way that you've recently improved your business that we could apply to ours? Putting more processes
0: and procedures in place. So documenting. So leveraging Google Docs and saying that, okay, step one, this. Okay. Step two, this. Our onboarding process this is what we do day one. This is what we do day two. This is what we do day three. That's what I've ever evolved, learned, because there's the book EMIT by Michael Gerber that talks about working on your business versus working in your business. So when I first heard that, I didn't understand it. But as I've evolved as a human being and also a entrepreneur, investor, operator, that now it starts to sink in that I need to have a business that should be able to run without me.
1: So what's the number one thing that's contributed to your success? Maybe we talked about a little bit earlier, but what would that be? Self-improvement.
0: Yeah. I would say once I had this aha moment, which is a whole nother story in itself, but I was training for a Guinness world record, world's fastest fireman carry mile. And fast forward to the event, training a year and a half, I bombed the event, failed. And that was a huge unlock for me that said, hey, since that moment, that failure is not so bad. And during that time, self-improvement helped me get through that and really allowed me to unshed and identify my limiting beliefs and replace them with more empowering ones. I know I have limiting beliefs to this day, and I want to just become even more self-aware of what those are to pinpoint. And I've been getting better at it when I say something, oh my gosh, that's a limiting belief. And then from there, okay, how can I navigate from that? So that's where I'm at.
1: Awesome. No, I love that. I've been reading more lately too about just the words that come out of your mouth and how important it is to be positive and not to even say the negative things. And like the negative things you say have like 75% more effect on you than the positive thing, you know, in a bad way. (laughs) Watch what you say, right? But how are you finding investors right now? What's the thing that's working for you?
0: Yeah, I would say at this point in time is just Through the personal branding. So various channels, Bigger Pockets has been one, people hearing me on podcasts. There is my own podcast, attending conferences and putting myself out there and my name out there and my story has been a great way to bring on investors and everything's just filtered through my own personal brand. And tell us how you like to give back. By my story. So towards the beginning, I mentioned about my upbringing. So that's one way is I am completely vulnerable and share my story of... How that was. And that's one of my largest whys is to be an ideal and a message to those people in that environment that you don't have to take this path that majority people take. This is one that I took and here's the blueprint. So that's one way I give back. And then also I'm a big brothers, big sister. So I have a little brother.
1: Wow. Thanks for sharing that, Sterling. I know myself and the listeners have learned a lot from your personal story and just your drive and to be able to go make it happen. And, you know, even from maybe a poor upbringing and in a really hard place, bullets coming through where you all are eating. That's a big deal. You know, most of us didn't have to deal with something like that. So congratulations to you as well. But tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you and learn more about you. And your podcast. Yeah.
0: So the Real Estate Experience is the podcast. And uh, if you happen to have any questions, you can visit com. And yeah, I'm just here to be of service at the end of the day and just help others.
1: Don't go yet. Thank you for listening to today's episode.